God. Good morning, good morning, redeeming love. How are you this morning? Is God good or what? Come on, is God good or what? <laughs> there it is. There's the picture of Mark with the, the mole on the side of his face, uh, completely 100% healed, removed. It was there since birth. Come on, are we kidding? Are we kidding? It's there since he was born, guys. Does he born with this? And God just said, hey, you know what? I don't know if that was a desire of your heart for that to be removed, but he's like, hey, that's going to go in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God is doing amazing things. <clears throat> we sing that song, God is good, you are good, you are good, but do we believe it? Come on, God is good. God is good. We cannot, there's one thing in this world we cannot exaggerate. We cannot exaggerate how good God is. I can exaggerate pretty well about a lot of things. I can exaggerate about how well I play basketball. You guys all laugh. Well, now you're laughing more. I cannot possibly exaggerate the fact that God is good. He is good. He is the most good. He is completely good. He's totally good. And if in any area we see God as being anything other than good, then we've thought wrong. It's us. Sorry, I don't mean to yell. I just get so excited. It's us. The problem's with me. It's not with him. He's good. Tozer said, A.W. Tozer, knowledge of the holy, written in like 1959 or 56 or something. He said, the greatest problem that we have is the fact that we don't know who God is, that we've thought wrong about who God is. When we think wrong about who God is, we don't stand a chance of walking with him rightly. <laughs> All right, I could go on with this all day. Maybe I should. Well, the lights just flickered, so maybe I should move on. Freedom, come on, freedom, just, just another little point. Freedom comes through surrender. Freedom comes through surrender. This makes no sense to us in the natural because if we're at war with someone and we want freedom, the last thing in the world we want to do is surrender. Freedom comes through fighting and striving and earning the right to be free. But it's not so in the kingdom of God. Freedom comes through surrender. It's only when we surrender to God that we will actually truly be free and live in freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But only to the degree that I'm willing to let my stuff go and let God handle it all. <sighs> When I first got saved, all right, before I got saved, I got to go back a little bit to make it clear, because what happened to me was significant to the fact that the more you surrender, the more freedom you have. Before I got saved, I had two girlfriends. Both of my girlfriend's parents really liked me, all right? And I say all this to say that that was an area of my life where I felt like I didn't need God's help. Yeah, laugh. It was very funny. It's extremely funny. I didn't need God's help. Everybody liked me. My, uh, not everybody. My girlfriend's parents liked me. My girlfriends really liked me. I was, I, was, I was good with that. I didn't need God's help. At least I didn't think I did. Fast forward. I get saved. Fast forward. And what happened? 
because I didn't surrender that area to God, my wife and I got pregnant out of, out of wedlock. It's a direct result of me not surrendering. It's a direct result of me not laying it down and saying, God, this is yours. Through that period and season in my life, I brought, I, I went further in the surrender. I surrendered everything. I said, God, I've made a mess. Every area of my life is yours. I give it all to you, every single, everything. Everything, God, it's all yours. What will you do with it? Have your way. Here I am today. There are three things that should shipwreck your life. I managed to pull off two of them, and I'm still here. <laughs> Only by the grace of God. Only because when, when, the, when it all went south, <laughs> I surrendered to God. And he redeemed my life. He redeemed my life. This morning we're going to continue to talk about the fruits of the Spirit. And so, you know the song, sing it with me. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All right, so now some of you are laughing or, or smiling or grimacing as I sang the song and you didn't sing it with me. If you want to remember the scripture, which we need to do, you need to sing the song with me. So we're going to do it again. And I want to see all of your lips moving. So if, if nothing else, just please fake it so that we can move on from this. Because unless I see every lip in the house moving, we're not moving on. All right, we all on the same page? Louder this time. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All right, good. I saw almost every, I didn't get to see every lip, but every lip I saw was moving, so good. You know, the most, frequent given, and there's, the most frequent given command in the Bible is do not fear. One of the chapters where we see this command more times than any other is Joshua chapter 1. He speaks, God speaks to Joshua because he's giving him an impossible task. Forty years have gone by, and now they have to take this tribe that's been in the desert and they've got to cross the Jordan River and they've got to go into the land of the giants and they've got to take the promised land. And so eight times God says in chapter one, do not fear, only be very courageous. Do not fear, but only be very courageous. Do not fear for only be very courageous. He says, I'll be with you. And he only gives, he only gives Joshua one antidote for fear. How many of you have, don't raise your hands. How many of you should have fear, struggle with fear? There's fear in your life. There's one way to get rid of it. Read, go ahead, but go but later today, go back, read Joshua chapter one. What does he say? There's one thing he gives him to do. He tells him eight times, don't be afraid. He gives him his instructions. He promises that he'll be with him, which should reassure us enough to the fact that we don't have fear. But there's one thing that he gives Joshua to do to not be afraid. Obey my commands and meditate on my word. Okay, it's two things. Obey my commands, but how are you going to obey if you don't know what they are? Obey my commands and meditate on my word day and night. 
Meditate on the word day and night. Meditate on the word day and night. How do we meditate on the word? We memorize it, and then we just keep speaking it over and over and over and over and over and over to ourselves. We, we dwell on it. We say, God, what does it mean when the word says, consider it pure joy when you come into various trials? This is really hard. I don't get it. I don't want to be happy when I'm suffering. But if we meditate on it, God reveals stuff to us while we're meditating on Scripture. Here's my process. I memorize Scripture, and then I go and I do some mindless task, like I'm working in the garden, or maybe I'm sweeping the floor, mowing the lawn. And as I'm doing that, I'm reciting the Scripture back to myself. Consider it pure joy when you come into various trials. For you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance so that you may be mature and complete, lacking no good thing. After about two years, maybe it wasn't quite that long, after a while, repeating scripture back to myself, the Lord opened up. He gave me wisdom. I have trouble explaining what he taught me. Praise God, but God's like that. He teaches us things that we can't know. That's why it's called a walk of faith and not a walk of understanding. Man, I'm really good. This is good stuff. I was better than you guys, than you guys responded. That's all right. You get me on the next one, I'm sure. All right, let's go. Proverbs 25, 28 says, Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Whoever doesn't have self-control is like a city broken down without walls. Back in the day that Proverbs was written, there was a city built around, there was a wall built around the city to protect it from invaders, to protect it from invasion. That was the line of defense. Today, it's much different. We don't have walls around our homes. We don't have walls around our cities. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a computer with no antivirus software. <laughs> Legit. How long do you think that thing's going to function for? About a minute? I have the antivirus software, and my computer still doesn't function most times. It works most of the time. It just seems like every time I need to use it, it doesn't work. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Am I the only one? Oh, my Lord. Whoever has no rule, come on, guys. One of the secrets to this Christian walk is self-control. Be self-controlled. Back up. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we're fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, the fruit of being in relationship with God is self-control. Is self-control. I have self-control because I fellowship with God. I have self-control because I fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Don't ever say you don't have one of these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Don't ever let me hear you say, I don't have patience. I'll be Because you know what? Then you're not fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. I can't be kind. You're not fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. I don't have faithfulness. You're not fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's simple, it's direct, it's really, really simple. The fruit of the Spirit, as we fellowship with the Spirit, the natural outcome of our life is going to be the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
They're all going to be there. Why? Because that's the life of the Spirit. This is what God puts into us when we spend time with him. Proverbs 16, 32, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his own spirit is better than he who takes a city. Doesn't matter how good of a warrior you are, doesn't matter how much you can slay with whatever and come back and you've got the victory. If you can't, if you're not self-controlled, nope. Nope, don't even bother. Don't even bother. We're going to look at another scripture later. Don't even bother. None of that matters if you don't have control over your own life, if you don't have control over your own spirit. Are we self-controlled? If not, if not, be self-controlled. Just make the decision today that you're going to do that. Make the decision today that you're going to spend time fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit so that you can receive the grace to have self-control. Here's the glorious thing, guys, is that we don't even have to do it in my, our own strength. I cannot possibly muscle up and be like, I'm self-controlled. <laughs> Rah! I can't do it. It doesn't matter how hard I try. Paul spelled this out in Romans. It's only by the grace of God. It's God who gives us strength, and then we step out, and we do what he says, and now we have the self-control that we want. That's good news. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments or imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. One of the things that you need to be self-controlled over, guys, first thing, sometimes it's easier to do something else first. We'll talk about that in a minute. But number one on your list, control your thoughts. Take every thought captive. Take every thought captive. What's the easiest way to take every thought captive? Is when you have a thought that you know is not good or you have a thought that you know is not from God, you cast that thing out and you fill the space with another thought. What's the best thoughts? Yep, somebody had it. Scripture right here. Just know it. Just memorize it. Just meditate on it. And when a bad thought comes... If you can, speak the word that contradicts the word that comes, right? God comes and says, you're ugly. You're, or, not God. The enemy comes. <laughs> Sorry. I get so excited I go too fast sometimes. Woo! The enemy, <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. The enemy comes, or our friends, and say, you're ugly. You're fat. You're useless. You're not worthy. You're unsuccessful. You're this, you're that. They speak something negative. You take that thought, you kick it out, get it out of your mind, and you say, I am created in the image and the likeness of God. I am beautiful for he made me. He saw me in my mother's womb before I was yet formed. Come on, just throw some scripture in there. Just throw some scripture in there. 
I'm beautifully and wonderfully made. I'm beautifully and wonderfully made. God doesn't make no junk. That's scripture. What's the reference for that? <laughs> All of it. What's the negative thought? Throw it out. If there's a negative thought that you struggle with all the time, just go through scripture, search through, find one. Google, just use Google. Like, what's a positive thought to, to fight depression? Google's got an answer. Because there's a million things that we could talk about right now. Why are, you, why are you downcast, oh my soul? Hope thou in God. That's the scripture that I'd use if I was depressed. Hope thou in God. Hope thou in God. Hope in God, soul. Hope in God. Come on, get your hope going. In God. God's going to fight for me. Why? Why should I hope in God? What does scripture say? For I shall yet praise him. You've got to, if you haven't figured it out by now, if you're new to Redeeming Love, if you've been, you haven't been here for more than a minute, you better start remembering scripture because I'm not going to change my tune. We're going to be saying the same thing in 20 to 25 years from now. My last sermon when I leave is going to be like, you better memorize scripture and you better not stop memorizing scripture until I know it all, until I memorize the whole thing cover to cover, until every word that I say is scripture. You know, we recently, we just went, Brian Smith, I think he's teaching today. There's Amy. Brian led a small group, Campfire Revival. We recently went to the uh, Forefathers Monument in Plymouth, Massachusetts. If you've never been, you got to go. And one of the things that we did throughout the class is we looked back at some of the words of the founding fathers, the people who formed the Constitution, who formed the Declaration of Independence. These men, we looked at some of the things that they wrote and some of the things that they said. And can I tell you how much of what they said is a direct quote from Scripture? Don't tell me for one moment that any of them weren't God-fearing people. Why are they quoting Scripture if they're not God-fearing people? They all believed in God. Just read any of their speeches. They're laden with, with the text of Scripture. It's all throughout. Our country has come a long ways from there. And we need to return. And a return to a God-fearing nation is the only source of hope for America. It's our only hope. It's our only hope. So when we talk about Back to Church Sunday, it's not about growing our church. It's about saving the nation. It's about so much more. It's about saving society. It's about saving who we are as a people. It's about saving the world. Back to Church Sunday. Take every thought captive. Our ability to wage war is only as good as our ability to control our thoughts. That's the paraphrase of 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. Your ability to wage spiritual warfare is only as good as your ability to control your thoughts. The enemy's beating me up. Is he? Or are you letting him control your thoughts? Kick him out. Jesus didn't tolerate the devil. He kicked him out. He gave him a scripture. The devil tried to quote scripture. He quoted it wrong. Jesus delivered him another scripture. How did Jesus fight the devil? With the word. How are we to fight the devil? With the word. 
Negative thought comes, bring the word. If you don't know it, just go find it. Just start reading. Eventually, maybe an hour, you're going to stumble on it. James 3. Number one, number one was control your thoughts. Number two, control your, control your words, control your tongue. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Thank you. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths and they may, and they, that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look at also ships. They are so large and driven by fierce winds, yet they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and it boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it's set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird or reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree bear olives or can a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt and fresh water. Wow. Wow. Number one, we're talking about self-control. Control your thoughts. Number two, we're talking about self-control. Control your words. Control your tongue. Sometimes it's easier to start by controlling our thoughts, but sometimes it's easier to control just by controlling our tongue. Sometimes controlling our tongue is the easier place to start. All you have to do is not talk. <laughs> Everybody laughed because whereas I'm not a talker, but God put me up here because he thinks it's funny. More of you are talkers. And if you get me alone in a group of like four, five, even six people, I'll probably be the person in the room who says the least, except that God speaks to me through the Holy Spirit and says, you have to say this, and so then I'll say something. And so what I'm speaking is only what I'm hearing the Spirit saying. I never, I'm not never, but I rarely have things to say of my own. And so, but this has been my pattern for a very long time. I used to be very quiet. God thought this would be funny. And he's got me up here. Just don't say anything. Proverbs says, even a fool is perceived to be wise if he keeps his mouth shut. I'm like, <laughs> I read that the first time. I'm like, oh, watch this. I can keep my mouth shut. Nobody will know. They'll never know. They'll never know. Hmm. We used to sit in elders' meetings back when Pastor Tom was a senior leader, and I'd just sit there and be quiet, 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 all they're all talking. 
Pastor Tom catches on because he's really sharp. He's, he's smarter than me. And he says, Pastor Matt, you've been quiet. What do you think? <laughs> I, I remember a couple of specific times when he did that, but uh, we don't need to get into that right now. But this is just my nature. <laughs> this is just my nature. I just won't, I just won't, I just, I don't need to, I don't need to share a thought because I have a thought. I only want to share a thought if it's going to help, if it's going to bring life. I only want to share a thought if it's going to bring um, healing. I don't ever want to bring a word just so that we can argue. I don't, I don't even want to bring a word just because I think it's right. I only want to bring a word if it's, if it's going to bring healing. Because if I, bring a, if I bring something and we can argue over it and we're just having an argument and there's no end... It's not bringing life. Even a, even a fool is considered wise if he holds his tongue. In the abundance of words, sin is not lacking. The more you're going to say, more opportunity. How did I? Look, I just messed up just not two minutes ago, right? The more I say, the more I have opportunity to say something wrong. So just say less. Um, uh, spiritual man, Watchman Nee, said, um, no one should speak anything, no Christian should speak anything unless prompted by the Holy Spirit to do so. That would eliminate 95% of Christian conversation for all of us. 95% of everything you had to say is probably going to be eliminated if you don't speak unless the Holy Spirit prompts you. It's not a bad way to go. <laughs> Just control your words. And if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. If you're getting upset and angry, anger is not good. The Bible says the anger of God does not lead to the, the anger of men does not lead to the righteousness of God. If you're getting angry, sit on it. Bite your tongue. These phrases have been spoken for a long time because they're true. We just need to put them into practice going to be a very interesting week. We're going to meet people. We're going to be like, hmm, eh, eh. <laughs> I didn't say anything. We'll have a very quiet afternoon when we all go home. <laughs> First Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one runs to receive the prize. Run in such a way, way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. 
I discipline my body. I do things that I don't like doing because I have a result that I'm looking for. Run the race. We've all been called to run the race. Number one, control your thoughts. Number two, control your tongue. Number three, control your actions. Maybe the easiest thing, it was easy for me, the easiest thing for me was to just start by controlling my tongue. If I just don't say it, Pastor Tom always said, a, a thought unspoken dies unborn. That's good. You should write that down. <laughs> a thought unspoken dies unborn. How many thoughts have I had that I've just never given birth to? Those things died in the grave before they ever came out. Don't, just, don't, just don't say it. Just don't say it. Just don't say it. And number three, our actions. What are we doing? How are we living? Paul says, the things that I don't want to do, those things I do, and the things that I want to do, those things I don't do. But what I do is I discipline my body. Anybody here a runner other than me? Come on. Oh, yeah, okay, two guys, two people. So when you run, right, that's not comfortable, right? Your feet hurt, your legs hurt, your chest, your, your lungs are burning, your heart's beating, you're sweating. None of these things are comfortable. None of these things are like, oh, yeah, I'm sweating. This is great. We're, we were recently in Cartagena with a few, uh, few people from the, the church here for a wedding, and I'm telling you, you stepped out the door and you immediately you were sweating. There was no way you were getting away from it. It was, just, it was 90 and then the humidity made it feel like it was 100, even after sundown. You could sit in the shade and just sweat. It was hot and it just didn't ever relent. And when you went into the air conditioning, it didn't get cold. It was just not as hot. This is our idea of air conditioning down there. And so for 10 days while we were in Cartagena, you were either wet from sweating or you were wet because you were in the pool. There's really no other option. <laughs> I got back. I took all my clothes and brought all the dry cleaners. I'm like, woo. Every jacket, every vest, every shirt. They all got to go. It's not comfortable. Why do I run and work out and lift weights? They're heavy. Why am I picking these up and putting them down? Because I'm looking. <laughs> because I'm looking for a response from my physical body. So I discipline my body and I do the things that I don't want to do. This is ridiculous. Why am I lifting weight up and down, up and down to the point where I can't do it one more time? Because I, I want to stay in a certain amount of physical fitness. Why do I run? Because the Lord told me to. We'll get to that in a second. Because I need to be able to breathe while I'm up here talking and walking and dancing and flipping and whatever it else is I'm doing. I need to be able to talk, and that takes lung capacity. And I needed my blood pressure to, to come down and stay at a level because it was high at one point, and so I run. I checked my pulse. I don't, I've never done that. I haven't done it in years. I checked my pulse the other day, resting heart rate, 66. That's good in case you don't know. That is good, 66. I was like, wow, that's really good. It's working. I discipline my body. And I do things that aren't comfortable because I want, an end, I want a result that I have to work for. It just doesn't happen. I don't, I don't say yes to the Lord and he's like, boom, you're, just, you're never going to have to do anything. That's not the way it works. He gives me the grace 
He gives me the strength so that I can do what I know I need to do. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Most of us, every, almost every single person in here, I would be at 99.9, maybe there's one person in here that doesn't know. Most of us know what we're supposed to do. At least, I mean, we may not know everything that we need to do, but that's the grace of God. That's the mercy of God, right? Because if we knew everything that we were supposed to do, there's a list of like 10,000 things and you'd never do them, right? But God's given you one thing to do. Don't look at that movie. Don't watch that TV show. Don't go here. Don't go there. Don't do this. Don't do that. Scripture tells us what we're supposed to do. Or the other end of the equation, same platform in the other direction, go help Pastor Matt with the landscaping. Go paint the church. Go join the cleaning team. Join the maintenance team. Teach the children's church. Join the worship team. Go invite this person to church. Go invite that person to church. Go help your neighbor. Go mow their grass. Go bring them a meal. Go do this. Go do that. And we sit there and we're like, that's not God. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know that all of you can hear God. We can all hear God. You know how I know? Because you're here today. The evidence that you're in the room this morning is that you're hearing God. Maybe if you're watching, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> the first thing that you did when you heard God was you got saved. How many of us are saved? Right? We're all saved, most of us. That's the first time you ever heard God. I mean, it might have been like you heard a prompting or your friend said, hey, you should come to church, and they were like, yeah. That's the Spirit of God rising up within you saying, yes, go do that. Preacher preaches and says, who here wants to give their life to the Lord? And you raise your hand. You check the box. That's the first time you ever heard the Lord. And then you haven't listened since. <laughs> no, you come back and you hear. You, you, there's people. We had prophetic words coming in worship. We had words of knowledge coming in worship. God's speaking all over the place. We're all hearing him. And we're all moving. The Bible says in James 4, 17, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. There's a few of us that are doing things that wouldn't really be classified as holy. I'm not going to point fingers or name names. That's not what we're here to do. You know who you are. I may not even know who all of you are. And there's a few of us here who aren't doing things that maybe aren't holy. But I think that the greater sin comes in James 4, 17. We know that we should be doing certain things, and we're just like, ah, I'm too busy. God, what it, Jesus came, and he said, hey, come follow me. And what did they say? Ah, I just bought a field. Let me go check on my field first, and then I'll follow you. What did Jesus say? He's like, you're not fit. You're not fit for the kingdom of God. God's asking you to do certain things. Hey, come on. God, let me just do this first. Self-control. 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 Control your actions. 
it may seem like it's the most difficult thing in the world. But the beauty is that when we fellowship with God, he gives us the grace, which is the strength, to go and to perform the things that we've, he's asked us to do. And then, once we do what he's asked us to do, we're invigorated. It's actually when we're living a life where we're walking with the Holy Spirit, there is no place that you will ever find greater joy. No place. When you're walking with the Holy Spirit, when you're listening to what God is saying and you're doing it, stop. There's nothing. I don't care what. You could take all the money in the world and go do every single thing you want in your life, and you will not be as happy as when you're simply hearing the Spirit of God and obeying what he's saying. You'll never find greater purpose. You'll never find greater joy. It, it's not possible. It's not out there. First Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not be allowed you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So when temptation comes, God gives us the grace so that we don't fall to that temptation. And, 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 it's two parts. Number one, there's grace so that we have strength so we don't fall to the temptation. And then he makes a way for us to get out. Whew. Temptation, I left that behind. The problem that some of us have is that we're like, temptation, well, God's given me grace to be here grace, 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 and I'm staying, there's a way of escape, and I'm like, but I've got grace, 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 grace runs out, sin. No, you were supposed to take the way of escape. You were supposed to take the way of escape. You didn't take the way of escape. The grace only... Self-control... God gives grace so that you have self-control so that you're able to withstand temptation and he'll make a way of escape and you escape. You get out of there. You flee. You run. Run. Run, Forrest. <laughs> Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. One of the greatest strengths that we have is confession. One of the greatest strengths that we have to withstand sin is confession. The Bible says, confess your sins one to another, not to the pastor. I mean, you can, but here's the secret. Confess your sins to the person who's most involved in your life. Who's your brother on your right arm and on your left arm? Confess your sins to them, your closest comrades, right? The people you go to war with, right? The people who, like, something happens, and you're like, I got to let them know that this happened because if I don't, right, they're, they're my friends, they're my buds, and, and I, I, I got to let them know. I don't have to know because I'm not in your life every moment of every day multiple times a day, whatever you want to say. I see you guys once on a Sunday from this vantage point, and I won't get to talk to half of you today. 
It's not bad pastoring on my point. That's just the reality of the relationship that we have. When it says confess your sins and pray for one another, it's talking about those people that are closest to you because once I tell my wife or once I tell my friend what's going on and what I struggle with, they're going to keep me accountable. Hey, how you doing with that? Hey, you all right? What's going on with that? You good? Listen, I saw last night when we were having, you know, whatever, and you did this and that, and I'm thinking, like, you're still struggling with that. You're not exercising self-control in that area. I could tell all of you, but you're not with me. My wife is always with me. I share all things with her. She knows. Because she's the one that's going to be there. We're very rarely ever apart. We work together. We're home together. We sleep together. The only time we're apart is when she has a meeting or I have a meeting, which is frequent. But we're always together. More often than not, we're together. She's the one. And Pastor Tom has been in my life for over 30 years. He knows more than probably everybody else in this church, as he should. And so we're to confess. And what happens is when I confess, when I tell somebody, I make myself accountable. And in accountability comes victory. When others are there to help me accountable, they're going to pick up when I'm at the first step towards sin, not the tenth step towards sin. And then I'm like, oh, it's too late. Self-control. 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 The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's not last because it's least important. I think, it's, I think it's last because it's very important. Fruit of the Spirit is love, most important. Self-control. I would venture to guess and say, next most important. Joy, <laughs> joy is a manifestation of the kingdom. Joy is, is an expression of the kingdom. When we're walking in the kingdom, we're going to have joy. When we're walking with the Spirit, we're going to have joy. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Have self-control. Aim this week. Make it your aim this week. Make it your goal to exhibit self-control. I have two points on my, on my, on my card this week. This week, I will do what I know that I should do. I said this. We, most of us, know what it is that we should do. I told you the story. I'll tell it again. Still got some mileage on it. I was running. This was back when I was landscaping, and I was a foreman. Or I, was, I had a foreman. I didn't have to do the, the physical labor anymore, and so I started running two or three times a week, and I heard the Lord speak to me and say, when you're a pastor full-time, you're going to have to run every day. I could write down, there's a few times when I've heard the Lord so clearly. This was one of those times. I became a pastor full-time, and I didn't do what God told me I should do. year went by. I didn't do it. I didn't run every day. I didn't even run once a week. I wasn't running almost at all. We go to get health care at the end of the year. My blood pressure is 220 over 112. How are you even alive? Why aren't you like having a heart attack and flapping on the ground? No, that's high. You, got, you can't have blood pressure that high. Elizabeth will tell you. 
Well, I had just had my sixth or eighth cup of coffee that day. So I've got caffeine like, here this is on my caffeine badge. <laughs> so my heart's like, ah, ah, ah. It wasn't that I was carrying extra weight. I actually didn't, you wouldn't know that I was any different, but all I did all day was sit. Sat and read, sat and talked to people, sat and did this, sat and did this, sat and did this. After having a lifestyle of working for 30 years, physical labor. And so my body needed the physical in order to continue to maintain. I knew what I should do and I didn't do it, and my body almost paid the price. But luckily, God revealed it to me in his mercy. He told me what I needed to do. I remembered the word that he had spoken, and I did what he said. Diet and exercise brought my blood pressure down, but I had to run. I don't think it's a coincidence, and I don't think it's a failure on the fact of somebody to not have faith to be able to pray for my healing. I think it's the fact that God told me I had to run, and I didn't do it. You know, if you just had more faith, I wouldn't have to run. No, I don't care if you've got all the faith in the world. I still have to run. Why? Because God said it. And if there's no motivating factor, then why would I do it? But now I discipline my body. I do what I don't want to do in order to get the result that I want. I want my blood pressure to be 120 over 80 or lower so that I don't have to go on blood pressure medication. That's what I want. So I'm willing to get up and run five days a week if that's what it takes in order to make that happen. I still don't run five days a week. I'm, I gotta be honest with you guys, but I run often. Do what I know that I should do. Everyone in here, I would venture to guess, most of us in here, God's spoken to you, he said something to you, you know you should do something, you haven't done it. I wanna invite you today, have self-control and I don't have...